Welcome to AmiCast, podcast about Amiga computers. I'm your host, Krzysztof Radzikowski, but call me Krzysztof or Radzik. Welcome everybody in AmiCast episode 2. Uh, this episode with uh, this is episode with uh, my guest Epsilon from Australia. So hi, how are you? <laughs> Good day, how are you? Ah, very nice. I'm I'm fine. Everybody are fine. We have a little bit uh, time difference. Yeah, in in your country is plus ten hours. In my is minus ten, something like this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, six so, p.m. here, and it's over yeah, here. it's eight thirty or. Something. Yeah, 8:30, and I'm really uh, it's I'm not used to to do it at eight eight hours eight uh, p.m. eight a.m. at weekends, <laughs> so I, I'm in quite a small shock. But this is okay. <laughs> this is now is very international uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> intercontinental. <laughs> okay, so the the first question for you, the the, the beginning is uh, about uh, your first computer and about your. Um, and then Amigas, uh, how you started the the IT life, let's say, like this, yeah. Sure. Um, uh, in my case, uh, basically, my first machine was actually a Mattel Intellivision, which is a machine, a console from in the late 70s, um, which was basically competing with the Atari uh, 2600 at the time. Um, got very excited when that was brought home, uh, playing uh, checkers and other games on it, uh, very basic uh, graphics as you can imagine, uh, but hooked me right into computers from a very young age. Uh, I think I was only probably four or five at the time, um, and it basically set me on the course uh, for computing for life really. <laughs> um, following that, we moved into the, the Commodore world, into Commodore 64, um, Commodore 128, Great machines, a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, some some brilliant games around that time. I also did a little bit of programming in BASIC, even on those. Um, but ultimately, we we stepped up to our first Amiga in the late '80s, which was 1988, I think, which was the Amiga 500, okay. um, which was a, a one meg Kickstart 1.2 um, Amiga OCS. Um, I think at the time, because I was a teenager, I was basically just playing games on it most of the time. <laughs> um, most of my friends uh, also had Amiga 500s, and so we were doing a lot of swapping, um, as I think everybody did at that time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the dead times, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I look back at it and I think, wow, those were amazing days, weren't they? Um, and ultimately, uh, we upgraded that to an Amiga 2000 in 1991 with a hard disk. Um, 52 meg hard disk. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, in my first uh, Amiga, um, it was uh, 60 megabytes or something like this. This is very small, but uh, it was uh, compared to the floppy, it was uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And um, that particular Amiga, it was just still a standard um, 68,000, but it had 3 meg of RAM. I could finally run all the 
uh, Eric Schwartz animations and things that I was never able to run on the 500. So um, that was pretty cool. And uh, obviously from that, you know, we we upgraded. I bought lots of other computers that are non-Amiga related, of course. Um, but there's been a, a steady flow of systems I've purchased since the mid-90s of various Amigas. I think I've owned pretty much all of them at one stage or another. Um, and then ultimately also bought some next-gen um, hardware, uh, SAM 440EP in 2008, uh, which died, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, just that on one day didn't work. <laughs> um, and then ultimately I, I pre-ordered and got the Amiga One X1000 uh, First Contact in 2012, which is um, obviously my current main Amiga that I muck around with. Okay. So, uh, just one question about the uh, old uh, old times. Uh, sure. In Aus in Australia, the Amiga was quite popular, or this is this was only um, home computer gaming machine, something like that. Um, yeah, basically, it was popular as a gaming machine in Australia. Um, not like in America, where it was more application focused. In Australia, it was pretty much used for games, <laughs> and basically that petered out. Uh, in 1994, obviously, when Commodore went bankrupt. Uh, un unlike overseas, where we continue to have coverage from UK magazines and US magazines that continue to cover developments in the Amiga world, um, in Australia, everything pretty much stopped <laughs> um, in 1994. So um, I think there were some games on the PC at the time, like Doom and things that that basically got a lot of people moving across from Amiga to, to PC. Uh, even though it was a step backwards technologically, um, the machines were much faster, so it couldn't really compete with those. But having said that, um, they were a lot of fun, and it was, for me, was kind of a sad time because I felt that the Amiga 1200 and Amiga 4000 were never really given enough opportunity to really stretch their legs and show people what they could really do because uh, they'd only been around for a year or so uh, at that time. But uh, ultimately, uh, through you know the accelerators and other expansions that we saw over the mid to late 90s, we got to see the real potential of, of those machines and some amazing demos um, that were, were written for the, for the AGA systems um, in the late 90s and even the early 2000s um, were quite incredible to watch and I was very pleased to follow along with those developments. The internet came along at the right time, you know, we could follow all of this stuff online and and, and actually continue to enjoy Amiga as a hobby even after Commodore went under. Yeah, this is the, at the end of all, we let's say we are still alive <laughs> somehow. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, okay, let's. So now we we have the the um, your history, the the basic stuff, uh, and the let's jump to mind part. So uh, the blog, uh, because the uh, you started the blog a few I think few years ago. I don't remember exactly now, but uh, in my opinion, it's very nice, and you you put a lot of nice information. Uh, with screenshots, so this is quite uh, in good knowledge base for ev everybody that use uh, Amiga OS 4. Uh, so please talk about this a little bit, how you started, what uh, the idea, 
and the, the, the stuff, the idea why you started, yeah. Sure, of course. Um, obviously, when I purchased the Amiga One X One Thousand uh, in two thousand and eleven, actually <laughs> late two thousand and eleven, I pre-ordered it. Uh, I finally received it in around May two thousand and twelve, uh, and I decided from the beginning of owning it that I wanted to capture uh, all of the things that I learned along the way in setting up the X1000, uh, tips and tricks, things that I learned as I did things that I would inevitably forget later <laughs> um, because I have a habit of forgetting things. So um, I found that what was very useful was to have this resource of information that would basically say to me, okay, this is what I did to get things working and capture that with screenshots and description and in a way that would make it possible for me to, to do it again if, if the system died or the hard disk failed or something like that. Um, I also thought that by doing that it might be beneficial to other people who'd also received their X1000s recently and were wondering you know, what they could do with their system as well if they hadn't come across the same things that I had. Um, so that was how it started originally and over time uh, basically it became bigger and bigger as more and more people were interested in it and asked me lots of questions about um, various applications or tools or things that they were interested in but didn't know much about. Um, I tried to cover as much as I can uh, or as much as I have free time to do uh, regarding X1000 Amiga OS 4. Uh, initially. Um, I also tried to set up a separate blog that would look into things like Classic Amiga and other areas, um, but I had feedback from the community at Ami West last year that, that they didn't understand why I did that, so they they said that you really should just combine it all into one blog, so I decided to move that all into one blog, which is why there is just the one now um, that covers both Classic and next-gen Amiga stuff and although I don't focus heavily on things like MorphOS and AROS I do uh, talk about them. Um, I'm also particularly focused on looking on little side projects that I do on the classic Amiga side of things which you know I do from time to time just because it's a lot of fun to do. <laughs> um, I guess you can call it a retro thing or a nostalgia trip or whatever but you know mucking around with an Amiga 1000 or a CDTV or uh, Amiga 4000 is a lot of fun um, to try things out. So now and again I, I try little projects out and I try and capture those on the blog as well um, because I, I found particular inspiration um, and I'm not sure how to pronounce the guy's name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, there was another blog, I think it's uh, Mphilo. Uh, M -F -I -M -M yeah, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I, I will put the, the link in description. I yeah, think this yeah, will be the best. Um, his blog on um, modifying classic Amiga hardware to do projects is quite inspirational. I couldn't even dream of doing DIY projects like that. <laughs> um, I'm not a solderer, but I, I do... Uh, in, I did enjoy following it a lot and it did inspire me to upgrade some of my classic Amiga hardware to do more with it. Um, and so I've tried to capture some of that in my blog as well. But as you say, the main focus, well, most of the, the blog entries are focused on the X1000 and that's predominantly because it's a current system um, that's being actively developed for. Um, and so I think that it's good to, to follow current developments in the Amiga world as well as enjoying some of the new hardware that's developed for our classic hardware as well. It's kind of fun. Yep. Yeah, uh, so um, 
maybe now you can talk uh, or say something more about your your uh, Amiga uh, X1000. Uh, the, the the maybe hardware configuration is not so interesting, but uh, what you, what are you doing on on this and how you feel about um, uh, speed of let's say everyday use of internet or something because uh, I was talking in in podcast in Polish version with the guys that for example power PC is um, not very maybe nice um, uh, way for us because it's it will be always not fast like Intel in the future and uh, what do you feel about the everyday life with 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 this Amiga? This is possible, or you have the some for sure you have some problems, yeah? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't expect that the X one thousand is going to cover all of my needs um, on a day to day basis from a, a system point of view, and I don't expect it to. Um, you know, I have a MacBook Pro. I think most people know that I have one because they would have seen it when I was at AmiWest last year, and that's my main system that I use. But um, apart from that, um, I do actually do quite a surprising amount of, of my internet web browsing using the X1000, um, predominantly because the functionality is now there in, in browsers like Odyssey um, to, to actually view and use the majority of things. I can check my email using, you know, Google Mail, um, I can use the chat functionality for obviously IM, not for video, but um, you know, there are things that you can definitely do with the system. Um, what pleasantly surprises me, I suppose, coming from using the classic Amigas as well as using this, these systems is um, just how far Amiga OS has come from, from those days. You know, from the 1.3 days and um, you know I spent a lot of time doing configurations for um, hard disks and workbench 1.3 setups on my Amiga 2000 and Amiga 500 um, but I don't have to do that kind of configuration on Amiga OS 4 because so much of that is set up out of the box to do what you need it to do um, which is a great thing. The, the PowerPC processor as you touched on um, obviously you know, that was born out of a degree of history, right? Because Amiga OS originally supported um, PowerPC processors from Phase 5 using the, the Warp OS and um, the other the other one. can't remember the other one. Now. Uh, power Up. Power was, Up, yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. I, I've never had the pleasure of owning a PowerPC accelerator on, on the classics. So. Uh, in the classic Amiga, um, I can say this is this was only like everybody said co-processor. Nothing more, nothing less. Some software there was, but uh, in my uh, in my Amiga 12,000, um, this was the, the best solution with Amiga OS 4 with this power power pc because in in classic uh, uh, com, configuration it's you can play f i don't know free games and and nothing is on power pc so i in classic amiga i think may uh, more sense makes the uh, powerful motorola uh, classic motorola 68k yeah yeah and obviously um some of that history i mean i remember at the time in the mid '90s, there was a big thing in the Amiga community about not being Intel. So we had the Intel outside stickers everywhere. We had them branded on demos and everything, saying, "Hey, uh, in, we're in, different." In, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in Poland, we have even party Intel outside. So, That's right. You know, yeah. So I mean, yeah. the point was at the time, I think there was a real movement in the Amiga community not to be part of the Intel 
bandwagon. Um, now, whether that was a good thing for us or not, well, I suppose history has judged us harshly there, hasn't it? But um, I would say that the the PowerPC um, support that we've needed to continue, or the direction that's been taken to continue to use PowerPC, has probably come about from that history rather than someone sitting down and going, well, you know, what is the best platform for us? Um, but having said that, um, you know, I found that, I mean, Amiga OS is not a big footprint and from, and in terms of what it actually does, um, I think a PowerPC processor, it certainly its speed is is more than acceptable for everyday use. I mean, I wouldn't expect it to run, you know, high-end games or anything like that, but then, you know, I don't think Amigas were ever about that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I think we had some stunning graphics in our games in the 80s and early 90s on, on the Amiga. Um, they were brilliant and I loved playing them. <laughs> um, but as we moved into the 3D world, um, you know, the, there was no question that Amiga games suffered um, in that transition to 3D. We just, you know, the hardware just wasn't there to make it work well. And you could argue that to a lesser extent we still have the same issues today with that because basically we're not able to run a lot of those high-end games because we just don't have, um, you know, that sort of hardware support. But having said that, I don't think it's that important because I don't think that Amigas are about being able to play modern games. I think they're about enjoying the retro and nostalgia that comes from, you know, being able to use a system that's genuinely fun to use. Um, you know, I, I use I use a PC and Windows every day for work, and when I come home and turn on the X1000, it's a wonderful break from you know the everyday life that that we have to do. Um, it's just a bit of fun. I don't take it seriously. I don't expect anyone else to take it seriously. Yeah, um, I'm very grateful for the developments that happen on this platform. I think it's a wonderful thing for our community that we still have people that are willing to spend their spare time and let's face it, nobody's getting rich out of developing for Amiga OS. <laughs> to... Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this, is, this is true. This is only some guys, uh, whatever we talk about Amiga OS or Morpho OS or Aeros, this is only few guys that doing is... Uh... Yeah, no, one's, no one's making <laughs> money out of this, you know. It's or They might be making a little bit, but certainly not enough to... To, to live on 100%. I think you know, people do it because they love mucking around with Amiga systems, whether that's Morph OS or Amiga OS or Aeros or you know, classic Amiga or if you're running it under emulation. You know, it's just about the fun element of it, for me anyway, and I imagine for most other people it's the same. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't have any delusions that it's going to do everything that a MacBook Pro does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but the one question, uh, because uh, before you had the uh, sunboard, yeah, and uh, I think this was quite slow hardware. You can compare it somehow to your, uh, yeah, new Amiga. Oh yeah, no question. I mean, I I understand why people buy the same system. It's it's sort of in the middle as far as pricing goes. Um, so it's more attractive because the pricing is much, you know, the, the entry level, I guess, is, is much lower than an X1000. But I can say that, you know, it's night and day. The difference in performance between the systems um, is, you know, I wouldn't swap the X1000 back for a SAM, that's for sure. But, you know, I understand why people can't 
invest that kind of money. Um, but when people criticise the cost of it, they have to remember that it's developed for a very small market um, and you know, it's funding, the part of the cost of it is funding the developers of Amiga OS 4 as well. Um, it's you know, the ongoing um, features and the new applications and everything else that we continue to receive for this hardware. Um, part of the cost of the hardware goes towards helping with that. Um, I don't I don't see it as that. And the other the other thing that I also would say to that point as well, and I do understand people's thing about the cost of it. I mean, yes, you can go out and buy a PC, it's much cheaper um than than buying one of these, but you're not buying it for that reason, right? I'm not buying it to be a PC replacement. Um the original Amigas, the Amiga 4000 and the Amiga 3000 and the equivalent models to what an X1000 is today cost the same sort of money. Yeah, yeah it's, um, uh, the, what I can say, uh, for, for, in my opinion, the, the problem of the high cost of the uh, X1000 um, is the mainly, I think, power PC processor and development, of course. But when we uh, when it will be used uh, Intel, it will be for sure cheaper. But w we can forget it. And uh, when I see now the price on eBay or something like this of the very nice Amiga 4000 with power PC, etc. <laughs> this is scary. This is scary. Maybe in this situation, maybe it's better to buy X1000 and run everything, the old games through the UAA. Because the price is, I, in this situation, I think it's even lower. <laughs> Because yeah. four thousand is go going very uh, even um, even Blizzard power PC is going very high now uh, every month is new price. Yeah, it's scary. I I I've, I mean I would love to have a power PC processor in in my four thousand again, but uh, it's just uh, the the cost is ridiculous. I I understand it's a collectible thing now, and the X one thousand will be collectible too one day. I mean the all of these systems. Uh, yeah, they have a small run, and um, I think if if people want to have um, a high-end um, Amiga OS system, the X1000 is the system to have right now. Um, I know that there are, you know, obviously the X5000 is in development as well, and that's um, going to come at some point in the future, and that provides an upgrade path. And I think you know, we should be looking at it like that as well. You know, we have. We have a situation that we didn't have for a long time in the in the 2000s, where we had all that uncertainty. We had no hardware manufacturing. We had an OS, Amiga OS, that was under development but wasn't released. Um, you know, it was a terrible time. We had very little software on the classic Amiga front because it had all petered off by that stage. Um, but we didn't have anything to replace it either. Um, and it was only after we started getting that hardware finally coming out and, and obviously Morph OS being released for, um, you know, more commonly available hardware like the, the Apple PowerBooks and um, so on that enabled people to actually get to grips with these next generation Amiga OSs that were being developed over that period and that a lot of us never got the opportunity to muck around with until then. Um, I think they're all targeting different markets, very different I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. I think um, the PowerPC processor path, I agree to a certain extent, is is a challenge um, for Amiga OS and for Morph OS um, because I think that ultimately um, 
I mean, if we look at MorphOS, for example, it's on a very cheap hardware platform, right? So the attraction of buying it is because, you know, the hardware is cheap, it's off the shelf, um, you know, people can buy it and it costs very little money. Um, but the problem is that's today, right? But in five or six years' time, when that hardware stops being easy to get and starts becoming collectible, the same as the old Macintoshes are now becoming collectible as well, um, you know, it will become more and more expensive to to be able to buy it. And of course, PowerPC or uh, PowerBooks, um, as they're getting older, obviously are going to have more reliability problems. Laptops traditionally have more problems anyway when they get older. So um, I think there's going to be a challenge for for MorphOS coming up in a few years' time if they don't have a platform or another targeted hardware platform to to run it on, um, which would be I, I'm interested to see what they do with that actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe they will they will port it port it for for some. I heard something like this that can be MorphOS can be ported for for some because this can be the new let's say Pegasus for everybody. You can use the all systems, no, well, more or less all Amiga OS 4, uh, MorphOS, and maybe Aeros 2. But um, what I want to say, this is, in my opinion, you have a lot of right here because in from the 2010, our situation in, in community of Amiga it's it's better because now we get the expensive but new hardware, and the development is is moving somehow. It's maybe not. Not very fast, but it's it's doing the the guys are doing something, so it's much better conditions that was in in let's say in uh, days of ESCOM or Amiga Technologies or this stuff because there was only talking, talking, and nothing yes, was happening. Exactly yeah? right, exactly right, and that's so, what I, that's the point I'm making is that you know the situation development may not be as fast as we would all like it to be, but there is some commercial realities to deal with as well. Um, in remembering that Amiga is not a mainstream system. It's not a mainstream OS and the developers that are working on it are doing it in their spare time. So the development cycle necessarily, um, fits into their patterns. So, I mean, from my perspective as a, as an X1000 owner, I want new software every day, please. I mean, that would be wonderful. <laughs> um, you know, I'd love to be able to blog every day about some other new piece of software that's been released. Uh, that would make that would be a wonderful thing. But I'm also aware that you know, any improvement in our current size of our community is is based on not trying to get new people into the market because I don't think that's what we go, we're looking at. I think realistically we're trying to get ex-Amigans who are nostalgic about it to to get back into the market and and trying to get those people to to upgrade and look at next generation OSs as well as um, just mucking around with the old stuff. So if you give them a viable system that can allow them to play all their old stuff that they obviously want to get back into the Amiga to muck around with, but can also try out the new and latest stuff, you know, whether that's MorphOS or Amiga OS or AROS or whatever the, the tape may be. Um, I think it's a very positive thing if we can we can improve um, the size of the community by getting some of those ex Amigans back in. We lost a lot of them in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s yeah. because there was so little happening 
in in the marketplace as far as new hardware and and the um, the development of the operating system. So um, it would be nice to be able to entice some of them back, but a lot of that has to do with um, showing you know tangible systems that people can go out and buy and that are actually you know offer a real um, a, I guess experience for for the for the ex amiga person to really enjoy i think that um the current process the current trend that amistore is doing where they're taking or buying up rights to um, classic amiga applications and then porting them into amiga os4 native code um is is a step in that way because it basically says um, we'll take all these applications people know how to use from the XAmiga and you know the classic Amiga days, and we'll make it bang up to date so that you can run it on the new Amiga OS software. Um, but we can also then extend its functionality to incorporate features that are implemented in other solutions. Because at the end of the day, nobody's expecting uh, Amiga OS to run MS Word or you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we will get the library <laughs> office, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, that, I know that's an ongoing process as well. I know we're we're doing some porting work. Well, not me, but obviously there are people doing porting work um, of uh, Linux applications onto Amiga OS, and and not just Amiga OS. I think MorphOS is getting some of that sort of stuff too. But um, I think that is a good thing overall because anything that builds the uh, the amount of software. Um, and the capabilities of the OS is a good thing. Um, if we're able to shortcut some of the development time um, by doing porting, then that's that's probably a healthy thing as well. But um, I think it's a combination of having new software that is genuine Amiga software, right? Not ported from other platforms, um, and and some of the ported stuff that people are familiar with, right? In, in the modern systems that they use today. So, um, and that will help make the system more appealing to people. Um, I took the X1000 to an Adelaide Amiga gathering in January this year. Um, and the response to the system was quite amazing. I was surprised. Um, I think part of the problem with, with that X1000 is because people don't get to see the thing. <laughs> so they don't realize just how well it works you know i had i had a couple of people that were uh, logged into dropbox um through odyssey on my x1000 downloading documents to show other people in the hall you know some brochures and other things that they wanted to show and you know they didn't realize that you could do that on omega os um and i think yeah because the, the, yeah. the guys are stuck with with retro stuff now. that's right and, uh, and so and retro is fine and and you know while I was there I showed them you know yes you can run UAE you can run all of these uh, all the old games are fired up Indianapolis 500 wow I'd realised how horrible that game is <laughs> I was, oh yeah this is uh, this is good <laughs> I, I was surprised I, I I had fond memories of that game but when I when I fired it back up I thought wow this is really awful um, <laughs> so it just goes to show you know some games age really well and other ones don't and what I've generally found is 3D games don't age well um, but the old 2D retro games generally do age well because they don't really 
you know, they they never became any blockier or you know nicer looking in the newer incarnations. It's not massively different, but the um, the three D games changed a lot from the mid nineties through to through to today. Yeah. yeah, now we have everything in three D, and this is, I think, even too much because uh, we need some nice two D games. And yes, uh, yeah, and that's you, why you do the, everything in three D. Yeah. yeah, that's why the mobile market's taken off so well because you've got the old school bedroom coders who are out there using Xcode and um, other development tools on modern systems to create very basic two D interactive games um, some of them are loosely called games but anyway um but they basically are getting a lot of people to buy these uh games even though they're not the latest fancy 3d whatever and it basically sets the message to the market that you know people don't need that anymore you know i don't think that um a development team spending three or four years or five years or more um developing a 3d game um is is time well spent <laughs> um basically because the market for those is is diminishing rapidly because the people who are buying games the young people that are buying games are not buying games on systems that can run those things <laughs> you know you know someone who's a teenager today sure as hell can't afford um you know the kind of system that would be needed to run one of these latest 3d monsters games right they, they just got no hope hope of being able to run those so they turn to their their android device or their iphone or whatever their favorite smartphone is and they download apps from that because they're cheap they're, you know the development costs for people to make them are much lower because the number of people are less the development cycles are less and it's part of the thing that also applies to amiga os too um, and MorphOS for that matter, is the development of applications is being done by a few individuals and, and that can still work as it does for the mobile market. You just, have to, you just have to target the right kinds of games and the right kinds of applications to get people interested in buying them. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's Amistore's challenge um, and Aeon's challenge is you know, how do we engage developers in a way that means that we can have a consistent flow of new games or new applications that um, keep people interested in the platform and keep them coming back to, to try new things. Uh, exactly. So uh, I, I want to ask something because you're talking a lot. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice, but... I do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I uh, the, the, my plan was to, uh, about ask you about the, the the old old school software bringing to Amiga OS 4 like ImageFX of course, uh, but um, I think the the whole story Ami Store is very nice because I I compare it to let's say Apple World yeah the iTunes and this stuff, and at the end of all it's easy nice to use because you have everything in one place. Uh, and in my opinion, it's nice, nice direction uh, for us or for Amiga OS. Uh, and the one question about developing, uh, because for example, Amistor was uh, was written or made or made in uh, Hollywood, and uh, 
some guys are complaining that Hollywood is making the, uh, let's say, slow code or something like this. Uh, in my opinion, it's nice. Maybe I never use it. I must try buy it and then use it, uh, but no time. <laughs> uh, but maybe this is nice tool for for new new guys to do something because now in Amiga OS or other Amiga systems, well, now we are uh, we we are not in good. Uh, situation with software there is not so so much software and there something happens but uh, uh, it it could be something like um, creator for games easy games point and click games or applications yeah what do you think about this absolutely and that that's that was i guess the point i was i was touching on just before um i think that the development of simpler um 2d or simply 3d games um and i know that uh, and Twickler X is doing a lot of that sort of work at the moment, obviously, yeah. with their games. And I think it sets a, you know, a benchmark that says, hey, you know, you don't have to spend years and years and years to develop a title um, in order for it to be successful. I mean, successful in the Amiga world is a little bit, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we yeah. say oh, we, we sold a couple of hundred of those, so that's a successful sale. But... Um, you know, the reality of them is the Amiga market is quite small. So necessarily the developers are focusing their energy between mobile game platform, which is what Intwickler X does as well, right? I mean, they're making those same games for Apple iOS as well. Exactly. Um, and with Hollywood, you can theoretically, uh, yeah. I don't know, I will uh, do the, the program or the game for Amiga and for Windows because this is going from the one... Yes. Yeah, this yeah. development. Uh, yeah. yeah, the reality of it is, and I I understand the programmer's point of view on this, that they would prefer to bang the hardware and do it all as efficiently and whatever as possible. But from a user's perspective, as long as it runs well, we don't care how it's done, yeah. <laughs> to True. be honest. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, Ami Store, it may be, could be written more effectively if it was written in C or something. I don't know. Maybe it is. But at the end of the day, it does what it needs to do, right? I fire it up. It's got the applications in it. I can purchase them. I can download them and install them and run them and get updates. Um, yeah, and that's what it's for. <laughs> um, exactly. And that's what I mean. That's what the Apple App Store is about. It's what Android's Play Store is about. They're all doing the same thing. It's about making um, content delivery easier. Um, for users so that they can search and find it easier. I know my own opinion on this from a few years ago when I first got the X1000 and finding information about particular applications was challenging because you would have to go through a number of forums and searching through things to try and work out how things work, which was one of the, the many reasons why I was, I was capturing all that information on the blog is so that it wasn't so hard to find it later. <laughs> Um, yeah, true, true. Because on your blog, you, you can find the nice, interesting stuff. Because when you go to OS4 uh, Depot, this is a lot of files. Uh, most of the files is nothing interesting, to, to be honest. So it's hard to to find something very, in, very interesting or very useful. And uh, using your blog, it's easy. Eh? I, uh, I, uh, I configure, uh, this was the 
program AFTP. Yeah, yes. AFTP to yeah. This is without your blog, probably I will never find it in, mm. in OS Depot. Yeah, it's in, a great. In my opinion, it's yeah. a great. It actually surprised me. Actually, that software it's it works really well, and um, you know, being able to use it to do mass transfers of data from my Mac to it is, is very convenient. Um, you know, it saves me having to deal with USB disks and all this other stuff. So um, there's a lot of software out there that is being developed and, and some of it isn't getting the attention that it should get probably. Um, to be honest, I think the developers are not, because it is a part-time thing for them, they're not focused on how do I market this, how do I get people to download it and actually use it. And that's where somewhere something like Amistore really comes into its own because it basically says, I will promote your stuff for you, right? And I will give you, I will give you a small amount of money, um, you know, so that I can try it out. And uh, I, I, of course, it's not perfect. None of this stuff is perfect. I think it would be great if, you know, there were demos of everything <laughs> um, to be able to try it out. I think that's something that we need to work on. But, um, you know, it's a bit like with um, the app stores that we use in the Apple world as well, where you can download a, a free version of it and then, um, you know, pay to upgrade it. I think that sort of model will work well for people where they can sample a level or something and then they have to pay to get the rest of it. I mean, it, I mean, how, that, that model's been in place a long time. It was used um, in the 90s as well when you bought your Wolfenstein 3D for PC and you got a demo version of it with, you know, for free that had, you know, a couple of levels included. And then if you wanted the rest, you had to pay for it. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, but this is, uh, let's say, Apple Store is working in, uh, or I, uh, App Store is working like like this without demo. But mm. uh, still, you can download demo from the from the developer site. But uh, we can yes. leave it. I I have other questions about um, yeah our Amiga uh, Amiga life uh, because um, I think the at the end of all the whatever Amiga NG is quite usable in everyday but in my opinion for example we, we are lack of Dropbox because I'm using a lot of Dropbox and when you are when you are using Macs or other stuff without Dropbox only through the web page it's not so comfortable so uh, I hope in future the drop Dropbox ha somehow will come to the uh, Amiga. But uh, what do you think about Timberwolf or something like this? Because, as like you said, we need the native application and we need quite uh, some ports. And for example, in the web browser uh, life in Amiga, it's not. I, I, in my opinion, it's not so nice because Odyssey is quite old now. I think one year or two year, and the, the you know the internet is going very fast. Uh, and uh, Timberwolf is uh, is three years old, and I don't know if we get new version. And um, what about this? Maybe, maybe for example, uh, we should have some, but I don't know how to do it because the, there are a lot of fights between the blue camp, uh, red camp, to have the one team that, for example, developing Odyssey and porting for uh, every system that we we yeah. get. Mm, updated browser every half year, let's say. Like yeah, this. I think the, certainly there is a, a, a splitting out of development effort across uh, multiple browsers. I think, you know, given the size of the community, I think it would make more sense to focus on one of them. Um, but, 
I mean, obviously, there's there's reasons for that uh, around the, the the regional developers of each one, um, and you know they don't necessarily want to get involved in a joint effort. But looking at where we are today, and and actually, as I was um, mentioning to you before we started this, um, yeah, I'm spending a lot of time this weekend actually looking at different um, web browsers on Amiga OS four on the X one thousand, and noticing you know obviously there's some good features in in each one um that the others should have you know and we're not able to get them all to to work together which is unfortunate because i think we're missing out on on features um because we're not able to get one browser that does everything rather than having development efforts split but having said all of that um the effort to to port Firefox across as Timberwolf was was admirable. I think uh, I understand the reasoning behind why they would do that. Um, I guess the disappointing part of it is that it hasn't been updated, um, and obviously the version of Firefox that it's based on is is quite an old version now. Uh, and I think well, I'm not sure exactly what version of Firefox we're up to at the moment, but I think it's like 36 or something ridiculous. No, the Firefox um, numbers. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost track of the version numbers. They get so difficult to actually keep on top of. Um, it's 35. Sorry, I was close. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's version 35 at the moment. Um, but our version's based on version four. So, you know, it gives you some idea just how much developments occurred in the last three years in Firefox um, and we're obviously not getting the benefit of any of that because um, we're not seeing any of the updates um, but having said that the you know, it has shown um, that we can have a HDMI compliant web browser on the Mega OS and getting an updated port of Odyssey that provided us that functionality was also a good thing having the, the TLS support and the um, Know, things like that have basically enabled us to do a lot more with the web browser. Now, it's not perfect. Yes, that's true. Um, but what I can say is that the effort that has been done, um, particularly, and I suppose we should thank Steve Jobs for this, <laughs> um, is because he basically put his foot down about including Adobe Flash in browsers on iPhones and iPads, has forced the marketplace to change the way that it does web coding and basically force them to use HTML5 compliant web pages. And that's enabled us to reap the benefit of that from the browsers that now support that because we would not get Adobe Flash or you know Acrobat Reader or any of these other um, commercial programs that we don't have an Amiga version of and we'll never have an Amiga version of. Um, <laughs> you know, this has given us a way out of that situation. Uh, we're able to enjoy uh, web browsing. I mean, I can watch YouTube on my X1000. It's fantastic. I can watch I can watch Vimeo on my X1000, and that's fantastic. I can check my Google Mail on there. I can use Dropbox to upload and download on it. Okay, I don't have a dedicated client, but you know, how many platforms outside of the main platforms actually have one? <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> so, uh, but maybe with with Dropbox, uh, I I'm thinking about this too. Maybe the solution is uh, the uh, the hard. Uh, uh, this is the NAS system, I think, that your hard hard drive is connected to your router, and then 
the this is uh, the router have access to the Dropbox and you can connect it with Amiga through the Samba or something like this. Mm. So maybe this is the solution. Uh, but uh, well, maybe I will try some someday uh, <laughs> this. But but at the level, uh, in, it will be nice to have some some killings uh, apps like uh, like Firefox or old old school image FX and. Uh, uh, I hope this this will uh, we'll see what what happened with this this good stuff. I think this is the nice that they are um, the Aeon is buying something. Um, but uh, the question is how will be development because the uh, like we talk the the developers uh, that the users or the community is small and the developers uh, it's only one or two percent of the normal guys here. Yeah? That's right. But that's uh, you know. As I was saying, what they're trying to do, and I spoke quite a lot with Trevor and Matt and stuff at AmiWest last year, is is to provide that content, right, and the ongoing applications and, and things that are needed to keep people engaged and wanting to be part of the Amiga community still. And part of that is, you know, rewarding developers for their work in their spare time. And that's the concept of using an Ami store to do. Um, is basically to say to these people, well, you don't have the free time to market these products to the to to the uh, Amiga community, so we'll do it, and you know we'll sell your product for you, and you'll make some money out of it, which will hopefully help fund some more development in the future. Um, and I think that's an encouraging way to go about it. It is ultimately how successful that is really does dictate. Is, is decided by the end users, is by everybody out there in the community. If you want um, that that development to continue on the Mega OS 4 um, and uh, you want to continue to muck around with it, then we need to um, support these developers when they make products that we want. And I'm not saying that you have to buy products you don't want <laughs> because I'm not saying that, um, you know. <laughs> Uh, I don't think anybody should be buying stuff that they you know, are ever going to use. But I think that if it fills the need or or you think that it will be fun to muck around with for a while, and that's what Amigas are all about, in my opinion, then um, you know, go and buy it. Support the developers. Yeah, true, because uh, uh, whatever we talk or whatever everybody will say, the, I think the, um, the Trevor and the, the, let's say, the Amiga OS 4 guys have the some idea. They bring the expensive but the new hardware. They are giving the software for this. And now with the Ami Store, they are trying to build the, some environment for this. Yeah. So yes. this is this this is now and now I will uh, ask you about AmiWest. Maybe you can sure. uh, say uh, say to us about uh, about this more because you were there and you met the guys. Uh, for uh, one one thing that I I, I was um, I saw the picture on your blog and I'm a little bit afraid that we are old guys. <laughs> there is no. There is no new blood. When when we die, the the, the computer we die. But besides of that, uh, uh, your opinion about this 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 party, or uh, and uh, maybe you can say something to us about the new uh, X five thousand. You saw this for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. And um, what I can say, yes, in in America, the the, the Amiga fan base is, is in general older 
than it was in Europe and in Australia too, for that matter. I think um, when I went to the Adelaide Amiga group meeting here uh, in January, um, nearly everybody that was in there was was around my age or a little bit older. Um, yeah, they were either involved in selling Amiga systems, in which case they were considerably older than me, or they were customers and most of us were around the same age when we got into Amigas in the, in the 80s. So, um, you know, we're all in our late 30s or early 40s, I would imagine, um, in this part of the world anyway. And I suppose over in Europe it's probably not hugely different. Although, having said that, I have met some people that are genuine new Amiga users, you know, who haven't, who haven't actually used one before. Um, and when they did, they went straight into using next-gen Amiga systems because they didn't have that legacy. Right? They they didn't have that you know that same interest in in retro, and you can actually see that as well um, with some of the ongoing developers that I've seen um, who are only interested in the next gen stuff. Right? They want to be able to push the platform forward, however they can do it. But in any case, back to Amy West. The um, obviously I went back. I went there for the first time last year. It was fantastic experience I'd always wanted to go um, I just never thought I'd have the money <laughs> um, you know because coming from Australia it's an extremely long trip yeah the, the uh, flight is this how 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 much hours um, I think it's around 24 to 26 hours oh. Oh, um, yeah uh, so uh, now I must put explicit oh, yeah you'll have oh, to beat oh. that um, but yeah the it, it's a long it basically we do a leg um, from I live in Adelaide in, in South Australia. Um, we fly across to Sydney, which is two and a half hours, and then we stay there for a few hours, and then we fly uh, 16 or 17 hours over to um, LA, and then mm -hmm. another three or four hours waiting there, and then another flight from there to Sacramento, in this case. Oh, amazing. So it was a long flight, um, and... You know, by the time you get there, you're pretty exhausted. And the time zone difference certainly affects you as well. Um, going over is not so bad because we actually gain a day going over. Uh, we lose a day coming back. So um, so when I leave here, I actually arrive in LA at about an hour before I left, <laughs> which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is always like this. This is what? The time is... <laughs> Yeah, you've still got a full day ahead of you and you've been awake. Yeah, yeah. And time. you are yeah. completely dead, man. Yeah, this yeah is exactly. <laughs> so it, it was pretty hard. But um, I arrived at the, the venue and I, I met quite a few of the guys actually at the reception just checking in um, and um, dumped my stuff off in my room, went straight into the, the venue and started helping them assemble it, um, the actual you know fixtures and things that are needed for the show. Um, it's such a community effort. Everybody in there was was pitching in. You had Stephen Solly sitting there helping with that as well. We had Brian and all the other guys that are in there um, setting up. You know, everyone was pitching in. Um, I really liked that about the show because it wasn't about you know these people are too high and so they won't do anything. It was everybody was helping, um, and that was that was a wonderful thing about it. I was very pleased to see so many Amigas in one place. <laughs> Yeah, um, nowadays is uh, yeah, it's, it's such a rare strange. thing. You just don't get to see it very often, and um, to have so many uh, next-gen Amiga stuff, I was determined coming over there that uh, it was going to be about all of the Amiga platforms because I, I I've followed the history of Ami West, and I understand that it's not very often that 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 the other 
platforms get much of a look in over there and that's mainly because they don't go <laughs> it's you know there's a perception that it's an Amiga OS fall off show only but it's not it's it's for everybody and the reality is that it's mainly Amiga OS 4 people that are attending it and that's why it ends up being like that but um what I noticed when I was over there is there's a large chunk of the people that were going that are classic Amiga only and they were only interested in that and that's why you had the huge bank of classic Amigas all set up there covering the entire history of the Amiga um, and those people they're, they're not interested in the other platforms they're interested in the classic side and that's fine and then you've got you know obviously um, Hyperion Entertainment were there with Stephen Solly and a few others and a lot of the beta testers and developers are all there as well um, showing off their SAM systems or their X1000s or and um, and Bill Basari, or Tech Mage's case, the X5000, um, which he had on display. Um, it was quite amazing to actually see that hardware running uh, for the first time, because I'd never seen it, obviously, prior to Ami West. Um, you know, it's it's still being developed, obviously. It's not ready for release yet, but um, it's it looks quite interesting as, as an upgrade path from an X1000. I think that... Um, there's a lot of potential there. The the actual system itself um, is quite reliable from what I saw at the show. Um, seemed to work reasonably well. I mean, considering that you know Amiga OS 4 had only just been ported to it at that stage, <laughs> um, there was still a lot of work to do on it. Um, you know, they were able to run um, the the 3D um, demonstrations on it to show it off. Um, which were quite amazing to see. The other thing that I noticed was really nice with the X5000 was the um, the early start menu that they've had. Yeah, I want to ask you about this, the, the yeah. Amiga Classics option. Yeah, Yeah, I asked about that too. <laughs> I didn't get an answer either. Um, ah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I got told it would be a surprise and they never did tell us what the surprise was. So. Sorry, but I can't enlighten you what the classic Amiga option is. Yeah, but uh, maybe this can be a nice combination. I, I think this will be like yeah. you can start the OS4 and the classic under uh, somehow emulation. Yeah. And this could, yeah, this is, could, could be, be the... I, I think exactly. It, I think that would be a, a good situation where you could basically say to the classic Amiga fans, hey, here's a platform you can run. Your, all your old classic Amiga stuff if you want to. You never have to touch Amiga OS 4 if you don't want to. But if you want to, you have the option. You can. Yeah, you can and you can. Uh, one one thing about this computer, the the this tower, uh, the red red white. It was. This is the. Do you know this is the uh, temporary uh, or this will come to the market like no, like that yeah i don't think it will come to the market like that that was um actually bill's case um mm. so he basically um hand sprayed that <laughs> the, the, the the boing ball logo that was on the side and all that it was all done by them so um it, i don't think it will look like that when it's released but it will be interesting to see what it does actually look like um it would be nice to actually see a departure from you know the X one thousand colors and go with something a little bit different, um, you know, just simply to separate it from from that system. And this 
and this hardware the new amiga x5000 uh, will be cheaper yeah probably so we'll, we'll, see. Say, uh, say, we'll see um I, I have no idea if it really will be or not but they're saying it will be and i think that would be very helpful if it was um because obviously um you know some people have mentioned about the price of the x1000 yeah uh, i i think i think the something I like um, <laughs> like uh... <laughs> i don't agree with that but um, yeah. <laughs> you know, as i said it's pricing to omega 3000 or omega 4000 is not hugely different so yeah yeah true yeah. but it will be nice when you have the for example x5000 the basic model for something about two thousand dollars not three thousand dollars yeah it's I, it, it two thousand is more much more uh it comes more close to your head that three thousand three thousand is a lot of money at the end of all yeah yeah i think if they have you know if they do actually implement that classic omega option and they have the omega os4 option on the on the platform so that the the user can decide what they want right so they might say okay i want to run classic omega only and they buy the system in that configuration but they can update it later on if they want to run um Migros 4 and that would make the hardware cheap as well because they're not having to buy that license but uh, you know there's definitely I, I mean if that happens I don't know if that's what their plans are but if it is then that would that would be a good idea I think because it would enable them to sell the system a little bit cheaper um, I'd love the idea personally of running classic Amiga platform but using something like AmiKit or whatever to, to really provide a, a zooped up version of it um, so that people get the very best classic experience on it. Yeah. Uh, one question about this uh, this Amiga and your Amiga. Uh, you will change your Amiga, jump to the new model or um, just stay with X1000? Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what it ultimately ends up being, I guess. The, when the X1000, X5000 comes out, um, I think that it's a very clear upgrade path for people who are using a SAM system, um, you know, because there's a very clear benefit. And because the X1000 is, you know, um, I mean, they obviously have a certain supply of them left, but I mean, once that runs out, they're not going to have any more of them, I'd imagine. So um, the X5000 will be the system at that point. It will provide the high-end system alternative to SAM users, but um, with a lower price point, it, it should be attractive um, to everybody really i mean i think the x1000 owners will have will certainly be looking at interest to see what they can get with it that they can't get with their current platform i know that um, the x5000 goes has has taken away the cfe um bios to go back to go back to the old u-boot u-boot bios that was in the sams um personally i think that's a good thing because i've used cfe and uh yeah, <laughs> I think it's good to go back, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, CFE is okay. It's just, it's not very user-friendly. And, um, you know, I, I spoke to a fellow X1000 owner at the Adelaide Gathering on January, and he was afraid to touch it, <laughs> you know, to do, to do the firmware upgrade because the steps are quite, you know, involved for a, for a non-technical person. So, um you know, we we don't have the option in Australia to ship the system back to Amiga Kit to get it. You know, flat sent back to you. You know, it's not, it's, it's not so easy. It's not. I mean, I 
uh, I'm doing lots of little projects on the side, and one of the things I was doing is with the Amiga 1000, the original classic. Uh, been doing a lot with that on the blog recently, and people can follow up with that. Um, but yeah, I, I bought a Indivision ECS uh, converter for it, so I could run, you know, scan doubler for the output of the video from it. And uh, yeah, it's even arrived broken, and uh, unfortunately, it will cost me more to send it back than it cost to buy it. <laughs> um, and that's the frustration hey, with you, getting you, repairs done. You know, you just you got to look at the cost of that and go, well. Hmm. You must move to Europe now. <laughs> I might have to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's the nature of it. I, but I love living in Australia, so I wouldn't change it. No, oh, well, that's I will ask you privately about this. Maybe not not online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What I want to ask about uh, yeah. now it will be the emulation because on the AmiOS you had your MacBook with Amiga OS 4. Uh, thanks to the uh, op now option optional emulation of PowerPC processor. What do you think about? Uh, this because I think the now the Amiga OS for one this final edition uh, get more users because of of cheap hardware yeah let's okay. uh, I will say like this so um, this is the I think smart move what do you think about this and uh, if you are if you are using uh, this this uh, OS four on on Mac yes I am not every day but sometimes yeah. Sometimes. Obviously, uh, in the case of um, Ami West, um, the, the, the need to run it was actually because it was not possible for me to bring the X1000 to the show. <laughs> so um, I needed to get it working under emulation so that I could use it because I went to the, the programming seminar as well. And there was no way I could get any benefit from that if I couldn't actually program in an Amiga OS 4 environment because that was what it was being done in, of course. So... Um, it was imperative for me to get a working <laughs> emulation of um, Amiga OS 4.1 working on, on my Mac. So I got that all that working, um, but a lot has changed actually in that emulation since I did it, even um, for a positive, basically, because it means that now we have more support and faster emulation, um, you know, being able to use other hard disk formats. Um, being able to use the file systems, you know, like SFS and things like that, to get better speed from the from the, the hard disk, allowing faster boots and all that sort of thing. Um, the the support for um, other graphics, oh sorry, yeah, for Picasso Four, obviously being able to do networking, and now they've got the Takata um, sound card support too, which is all very exciting. Um, so I'm trying at the moment. Well, I'm not trying. I am setting up uh, FSUAE on Mac OS X. Um, last year at AMI West, I actually demonstrated um, the emulation under WinUAE on, on uh, Windows 7 on the Mac Pro, MacBook Pro, but I also had FSUAE configured with it as well on the Mac side. Um, but in the 30 minutes that I was given to demonstrate it, <laughs> I didn't have time to show both. So I just showed the PC side of it. 
Um, uh, one 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 thing, one tip, because I'm using Queen UIA with crossover. It's working very nice, so you can try on market. Yeah, it's fantastic, and you know I'm now using FSUAE um, to run the latest Final Edition Classic on it, um, and I'm still early days because I've only just put it on, um, and you would have seen that on the blog the other week, um, and I'm still getting things working on it, but uh, I think it shows a lot of potential. The new the updates on WinUAE since version three, um, which are now being ported across um, as functionality in FSUAE, enables us to do pretty much the same things um, on the Mac side as on the Windows side, which is great because it opens up the door for more people to to run it. Um, and to be honest, uh, it's a great way in for people who want to try out Amiga OS 4.1 Final Edition. It's very cheap. It's whatever it is, 30 euro or whatever. Um, and the emulation itself doesn't cost you anything. You just install it, right? <laughs> um, and from that point of view, it's a very attractive platform um, for people to get in and, and try out Amiga OS 4 without having to spend a lot of money on hardware to find out, is this something that I'm interested in or do I just want to stay classic Amiga, right? And And that's fine. I mean... I don't have an issue with that. If people want to stay classic Amiga, that's fine. And I enjoy it too. So, you know, either or is fine. But I think it the the problem with the system, I guess, is because of the cost of buying an X1000 or a SAM system for that matter. Um, yeah, the, the the main problem of of, of Amiga NGs, uh, Amiga OS NG, because not MorphOS, is the mm -hmm. price. The SAM is it's, it's possible to buy because it's expensive, but... Uh, you 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 buy the max for one thousand euro or something. Ah, it's manageable. But three thousand euro, believe me, even in Germany, and uh, everybody thinks that the Germans are very rich. <laughs> uh, this is not so easy. No, so... I would agree with that. I think um, it's the pricing is challenging for people. Not everybody can afford to buy it. I I understand that, and the emulation provides a way for people to try it out for themselves and decide if it is actually worth saving up their pennies for it. Um, or not. So uh, the the one one problem of emulation now is the the fast RAM. Yeah, it's yes. only one hundred twenty eight. Yes. In four thousand. Yeah. I so agree. this is really you. Yeah. yeah. But now uh, now comes the other question because uh, mm. uh, about this development of em emulation, the uh, and about future of uh, Amiga NGs, uh, maybe the for us future. In few years, could be uh, the very powerful uh, PC, the Intel processor, and then run the emulation, and then you can run the OS4 not, na not na natively on the emulation. But you know, the Intel processor are getting faster. Maybe no nowadays not so, but are faster, faster, faster. So you can use brutal force. Yeah. Mm. Well, they're just throwing more cores at it, actually. But yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think each individual cores is hugely faster. I think they're just just stacking more of them onto it. <laughs> um, but, okay. But uh, that that's why the multiprocessor support discussion is so vibrant, right? Because you know, people are saying, well, you know, if we need to have this multiprocessor support to to get additional speed out of out of the Amiga. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. Um, I don't. I don't, personally, I don't think the Amiga is particularly slow. <laughs> um, I think it would be slow if you were using it for 
running um, high-end 3D games, but mm. we don't have any, so no. <laughs> I don't think it's a big problem. Yeah, um, I think Quake 3 is quite old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually interested by that because I know I know they demonstrate they demonstrated that at Ami West, and I was thinking that there's not much reason to do that because it's not. Um, yeah, okay, it can run it. <laughs> yeah, but nobody but, cares. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's ten years ago, more than ten years ago. Oh. So oh, I, mean, I think twenty. Oh, no, ten. No, it's not twenty. It's not twenty. <laughs> but okay. it's the um, one, the, the first. Yeah, version. I think it's around ninety-nine, two thousand, isn't it? So that makes it about fifteen years old now. But um, uh, it's not. I don't think it's relevant. I don't think that you're going to attract any more Amiga users to the platform by showing them that it runs well. Um, but that, that runs well. I think they'd be more interested in seeing modern things running well on it. Um, that like uh, application for based example, uh... you know, and that's what I was saying before about the whole mobile gaming thing and and porting or having those applications working on Amiga side as well as on 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 the on the mobile platforms is a good way forward because it allows people to play modern games or use modern applications. Um, and I think that's much more attractive to people than being able to run the latest 3D game because the majority of the market that is a- attracted to Amiga is not buying it to play 3D games on. Yeah, yeah I, you can do it on, I, I got on a the PS4 console. or a PS3 or Xbox One or whatever your favorite gaming platform is, is going to do it better and cheaper. There's no way that you can compete with that. So why bother? You know, make... Um, make the offering unique make it interesting for amiga people to want to play with it and and that means amiga applications that are extended to do new features um or adding new capabilities to the amiga that it didn't have before um like being able to do things like you know office products or um, extended graphics functionality through things like image effects or through um you know personal paints or whatever the application may be um there's a lot of opportunity to um, take a classic amiga application develop it and get um, amiga people interested in it but as i was saying before don't expect to get anybody else interested in it because <laughs> i don't think that's i don't think that's reality to be honest so the now mm, the question Let's say that uh, I'm the new guy. So, what do you can suggest me? What I should, how I should start it with emulation, then, or with classic Amiga, or just go by the new NG system? Well, if you've never yet ever used Amiga before, <laughs> um, then I would strongly suggest that they use a next-gen Amiga system because that's where the active development is. Whether you want to look at Morph OS or Aeros or Amiga OS. Um, or a combination, um, you know, because I mean, because Amiga OS 4.1 can be done through emulation now, and the Morph OS has got a very cheap entry point on Apple, and AROS can be run on, well, they say all PCs, but we'll just say a set of PCs. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, it's not expensive to to try those out. It doesn't cost a lot of money, and um, you know they can make a, a decision about whether or not they're interested in it from those. And yeah, it's like any hobby, isn't it? You know, yeah. When you when you first get into it, you you try this, that, 
you know you try a bit of everything and then you decide which thing you think is best and um you know i'm a big fan of trains i love riding trains <laughs> but um yeah and i run a blog for that too <laughs> i saw something here yeah i saw something and, and but you know, when i started doing that um i didn't know what part of that i would find most interesting so you just have to try it you know i went to model railway show or i went to ride trains here there and everywhere and i found that riding them was the thing i enjoyed the most um and i think with you know trying out amiga stuff it's much the same you you're trying a morph os you might like this part about the os or you you like this application or you like this the way this works you know for me um i'm a huge fan of the old amiga music formats right i i come from in the past i was i used to work i was in the demo scene um working as a, a musician and demo designer for the experience which was a local group i set up here in adelaide in the late 90s basically doing demos for aga amiga 1200 030 systems and, and uh, one question the demo scene in australia was quite big or, or not because in no, europe was it very was popular never, yeah it was never that big and um, we had a couple of groups here that were uh, quite popular there were a couple of amiga groups too um but um it was fairly you know there wasn't a huge number of groups in australia um but it was fun and um we were lucky enough to get one of our demos over to um remedy 1998 um and we finished fourth i'd like to say um that was a really wonderful achievement until you realize there were only four in the competition but um we'll just <laughs> we'll just say yes i finished fourth we did we did um but uh yeah i i used to do a lot of demo tracking um in pro tracker on the amiga and then using impulse tracker later on uh, on the pc um so I'm, i'm a big fan of music and i have a lot of um old music for the amiga particularly the custom formats and things like that and one of my um hobbies one of the things i love doing is is playing those old tunes not not the games so much i do you know but i like listening to the music because that's what it's it, it's that ping of nostalgia that reminds you of that time um and you know thanks to and and um, uh, nowadays you you doing something you have you tried the G- digi booster for example yeah to... yeah i've got digi booster on on x1000 um it runs well i i there were some things that were missing from it i said to the the guy developed it and he's actually incorporated some of those into his fixed version um which was the ability to import modules because i had a lot of modules um that i wanted to be able to take instruments from to use in in new compositions so you know in essence at the moment i'm sort of not sure which way i'm going to go i have digibooster over here and on the mac i have renoise which is an amazing tracker by the way <laughs> um and basically a modern tracker um i would love to have that on x1000 if anybody's you know keen to port it yeah <laughs> yeah guys go to work <laughs> yeah please do um but in the meantime yeah um i've certainly given um digibooster a bit of a run and just see whether it um can do what i want it to do um but i don't have as much time to do music composition these days because most of it spent writing a blog when i'm <laughs> when i'm not mucking around with the vegas directly but uh, maybe uh, we can put in uh, in this episode some some something from your mo- mod- modules or, or or if you have something 
you can send to me and I, I can put it one or two songs. Sure, no problem. Well, this will be nice touch. Other thing that uh, in this year we will get the 30 years old Amiga and uh, two, two for now the two meetings will come I, I think one in Europe and one in uh, in USA yeah yes uh, so what do you think about this oh, I think it's it wonderful. will be in... uh, you know isn't that amazing we're at 30 years and we still have active Amiga development who would have thought yeah, you know, I <laughs> I look back at it every time I write a blog post about some new piece of software or a new development on our systems. I always think it's amazing that we're still doing this um, 30 years down the line, and here we are. It's actually 30 years since the Amiga 1000 was originally released. Um, so I know that 
um, the guys at Amory West were very keen to to be involved in this, and there's a lot of guys there that um, have been putting together a, a Kickstarter to raise funds to um, really bring that show to life because they're basically organising a show in California in July this year. Um, so they have a, a website, I think it's called Amiga30.com, um, which you can actually go and have a look at the details of the, the actual event. And you can pledge some support through Kickstarter as well. Um, and one of the more interesting things about that, I suppose, is that they're also doing some great memorabilia as part of that. Um, so some T-shirts and posters and things like that, which would be quite something nice to have, even if you're not able to go to the show itself. Um, you know, I don't know if they're doing something similar in Europe, but I, I think it's wonderful that, um, you know, people are so keen to, to celebrate um, the history of the Amiga and actually... Um, go there and and I know I mean they got some amazing people going to these um, these these events as well, right? From the original Amiga days, so um, I think it'd be it could be nice, nice, nice time to meet the guys to talk um, about yeah, about our our future if we have something. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I, well, I, I wouldn't put it like that. I would say you know this is what what we're able to, what we've been able to do in the last however many years, um, since 1985. I mean, <laughs> if you fire up an Amiga 1000, which I can do right here because I have it sitting here, um, and compare it to the X1000 today, there's you know, so much yeah, difference jump, in what yeah. you can do. Um, so you certainly couldn't say that there's been no change at all. There's been a lot of change. Um, and, you know, we all want it to be faster, but that's all because we enjoy Amiga, isn't it? So... Yeah, we all want it to be faster, <laughs> but I'm happy that it's moving at any pace is good, and uh, we just keep getting new stuff coming through. So, but in all means, the the fact that the shows are happening this year is great, and I really hope that people get behind them um, and go and visit them if they can, and if they can't, then support them financially through getting some memorabilia and things that allow us all to remember it in the future. Yeah. Okay. So the one, uh, maybe not the last question, but uh, we are getting. I think we we should finishing. Yeah, we should landing now. <laughs> yeah. um, Absolutely. So the Kickstarter story, because I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, at the end of all, uh, Amiga NG or Amiga um, Classic Amiga needs some new, new, new guys, new blood. Uh, and maybe the Kickstarter platform is the idea to put a little bit movement in our community to get the new guys or get new projects. I was thinking about this. Why, for example, we don't use the Kickstarter to found the new hardware? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting thought because I think um, you know when you talk about all these people that are going off and making hardware in back rooms and things by themselves. Um, and doing some amazing work in that area. I think there's, there's so much more scope. They could do so much more if they um, were able to get more funding from from the community as a whole. And and that's what I like about Kickstarter is it's actually a very nice platform because it basically says if enough people see value in what you're trying to do, then then they'll give you the money and make it happen. Um, you know, I think we had, what was it, Alistair Brimble or something um, did a Kickstarter, right? To, to redo all of his amazing Amiga music in, in a modern um, platform and style. Um, I was really surprised um, by the response to that. 
and the fact that it was successful and so quickly, um, which has really just highlighted the fact that you can have that success in the Amiga world as well. I mean, if we want to fund new hardware, then yeah, sure, why not? I mean, I can't see any reason why that wouldn't be successful, but there needs to be someone who's or group of people who are working on that that can actually make it happen. Because I mean, how many how many historic historical hardware projects have failed in the Amiga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, there's been a lot, right? And and I've, and it's happened because there hasn't been that that clear direction or project drive and money. Money's part of it, and um, but I think. Um, yeah. again it's the case of too many people going off doing their own thing I think it would be nice to get a group together that are thinking the same thing you know I, w I would love to have a, a re-implementation of PowerPC processor accelerator for my Amiga, classic Amiga I'd love to have an FPGA re-implementation of a classic Amiga that can sit in my expansion slot on my X1000 and run all the old stuff Without needing emulation. Yeah, this 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 will be this will be nice and. Wouldn't uh, it be wonderful? May, <laughs> uh, may, maybe you know, maybe in in future it will happen because now with this accelerator for this uh, for Amiga six hundred, uh, this is the uh, Furia or something like this. Yeah. This is the FPGA and the Apollo Core and this this stuff. The 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 guys are getting. Do, they're doing something and the, the result is not so bad or even is quite impressive so maybe in future uh, we'll, we can expect something like this or we can expect the for example in my opinion we are lack of uh, good uh, or powerful uh, turbo turbo cards for classic Amiga because the, the thanks God that Jens is doing something but this is only 0.20 or 0.30 processor it's um, yeah. Not, I agree. Not so Agreed. powerful, yeah. Yeah, I would prefer to have the O6Os and things as well. I'm sure everybody would. Um, I mean, certainly, um, you know, I, I'm glad that that Jens is there and he's still doing this these runs of new hardware for classic Amiga because it, it it stops the prices of those accelerators going out of control. You know, because yeah. you've seen it with PowerPC as well, and it's just gone crazy because of the rarity of them. And I think as as he does these small runs for the benefit of the community and obviously he's making some money from it too but um it it's really helping us all to be able to improve our amigas without having to spend huge dollars on it um i think that it, it's a good thing to, and i hope we see more of it if kickstarter can help with that then that's great too i think uh you know we just need to make sure the people that are doing it have a clear vision for what they're trying to do and are not you know too much cowboys and not able to actually deliver <laughs> deliver the product right because um, we need we need people to deliver especially when you're putting money on the table like that um, you know because if they don't deliver then they won't do it again right you know people won't commit money to to make those developments happen and it will just stop so um, yeah if people are going to do it they need to actually be able to deliver it Okay, so I think the, the this Kickstarter this is not so easy, but uh, at the end of all, we can try to to use this uh, retro power because now retro in Europe is very popular. I think in everywhere. I think so. Retro power to pro promote the NG systems, yeah, because the this is our history and most guys I think they 
they they like Amiga, the the old Amigas or something. The the most of guys use it and have the good opinion about this, um, about the uh, Super Frog, for example. Yeah? Mm, true, and quite a few of those classic Amiga games have been ported. I mean, uh, I think I was playing um, Putty Squad on PS4 recently. Uh, isn't that amazing to have? <laughs> To have have a game that is very much 2D and very much in Amiga's history um, available on a next-gen platform in 2014, as it was when that was released. Um, quite amazing. And it just goes to show that you know, it is possible to, to still make Amiga relevant today to a new audience or to you know those who are nostalgic for the past of the Amiga to actually come back into the community again. I hope that happens. Okay, so uh, I think we should finish really now. Sure. <laughs> uh, because we can talk. I think the, you are a good talker here. I told you. And we can, yeah, <laughs> we, we can no put the, yeah, we can put more hours in this recording. But uh, I think this, this we, we, we more or less we talk uh, about everything what we want. Sure. And now the last part, it is, it is the greetings. Oh, okay. I guess basically I'd like to greet all the people in the Amiga community who are um, involved in any capacity in it, whether they're developing, whether they're making hardware um, or putting out software for people to enjoy. Um, I'm grateful to everybody for, for doing that and making it possible for me to still enjoy Amigas in 2015. I think it's wonderful. And um, also a special mention to, to Trevor and, and Matt for their ongoing work um, to, to keep uh, Amiga going um, through some quite difficult times. I think they've done some amazing work to get the X1000 to reality, to get the X5000 coming along and, and to get people excited about the future for Amiga. Wow, very nice. Okay, f uh, I, I must say thank you for your time. No uh, and it was very very nice for me. I learned a lot. I think that the, the our uh, our episode will be very interesting for everybody. I hope uh, so. And maybe in future we we will record something more. Uh, we don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah, who knows? if you want. Yes. Thank you again and uh, bye. Have a nice evening for you. Yeah. <laughs> or okay. night. Yeah. No worries. You too. Yeah. Have a great bye. Day. Let us rise up tonight, tonight.
It was Amicast, podcast for all Amiga users.